This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. It's episode 301 of the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. I'm Jamie Bogner, and we are in Jatetz, Czech Republic. Did I say it correctly? Yeah, that's great. I mean, great, great pronunciation. It's Jatetz. Jatetz. Um, we're in the hop growing region of the Czech Republic today. And joining me the, is Zdenek Rosa, uh, board chair for Bohemia Hops. We're going to talk about the Czech uh, approach to hop growing. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, and welcome to Jatetz. Well, I appreciate the invitation. We're enjoying, going to enjoy this conversation and uh, get into uh, all of the inside-out details of Czech hops. Before we do that, G&D Chillers, the brewing industry's premier choice for glycol chilling, are proud of the cool partnerships they've built over the past 30 years. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. Want to maximize efficiency in your chiller? GD's micro channel condensers are designed for less power draw. They're lighter weight, more compact design, uses up to 70% less refrigerant, which means a lower GWP and lower operating costs. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. Also, this episode is sponsored by BSG, proud partner of Global Hop Breeder and Merchant Hopsteiner. As one of the world's largest independently family owned hop merchants, Hopsteiner has been connecting brewers. With the choicest hops and hop products available since 1845, explore Hop Steiner's unique and exciting hop varieties like Bravo, Calypso, Lemon Drop, Lotus, and Sultana, and more at bsgcraftbrewing.com slash hops. And is your brewery making its own ciders, seltzers, and other beverages beyond beer? If you need a central source for fruit flavor, Old Orchard has you covered. Old Orchard supplies flavored craft juice concentrate blends to beverage brands for the production of beer, cider, seltzer, wine, spirits, kombucha, and more. Flavor your lineup and streamline your sourcing by heading to oldorchard.com slash brewer. Why don't we start, uh, Zdenek, by talking uh, about uh, uh, Bohemia Hops and uh, your experience uh, in this in this business. Uh, where, does, where does it start for you? Well, it starts uh, from the growers because uh, we are actually owned by growers, uh, the Czech hop growers, uh, are members uh, of our company, so we present uh, all Czech growers. So it starts uh, all, all Czech growers. All Czech growers. So yeah. it's uh, so all starts with, 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 the, with the growers, with the growers' families, and uh, and uh, we start always with uh, Sazops because that's uh, the, the top park uh, that sure. we produce. And uh, also, I'm a, a, a farmer, so I also have got a farming background uh, with, with the farm and uh, represent uh, the Czech growers uh, on the board, both for marketing the hops, but uh, we provide uh, all services for the, gro- for the growers, uh, from uh, machinery, from building trellises, uh, to cold storage and to processing. It's fun, interesting and fun to see the kind of parity in the way that the businesses operate, both in the United States and here. You also have very large hop organizations like Yakima Chief, which is owned by hop growers and family hop growers. And, uh, you know, and it's interesting that the hop industry builds its own businesses to also uh, help their own industry and also market and and sell those hops out too. Um, and it seems to, to be parallel in, in lots of places, wherever we are. And I think that what's great here, uh, and it's uh, maybe similar to other countries, that uh, 
the growers uh, have got in, the, in their hands also deep uh, research, uh, the breeding, uh, and also the marketing with the hop. So that's all connected. Sure, sure. Let's let's uh, you know let's talk about the typical Czech approach to growing uh, saws. Talk to me about how Czech growers grow saws and grow hops here in, in the Czech Republic. Um, I'll do that, but maybe I'll, but I'll start with uh, the name of Sands because, uh, I mean, as you said, uh, we are in the town of Jatec, but uh, the, town, the name of Jatec, actually in, in uh, English or German, that's uh, that Sands. Also, uh, we are in the Sands of Burgen region, again, the, in Czech Jatecký, uh, Jatecká Chmářská oblast, and uh, the, the same goes for the variety. So the, the variety has got its name from the region and from the town. So. In Czech, uh, we call it Jatecký chmel, sads, hops. And that's the main variety and has been the main variety for the last thousand years. So it's an original land trace variety from this region and also that's where the quality is originated. So the Czech farmers uh, have got the experience- A with thousand years here. More than thousand years. So uh, you go to the uh, first brewing uh, in, the Czech, in the, the Czech lands, which go to the 10th century, so 1993, and uh, 993, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And uh, that's when already the SARS was used then, so uh, it's more than a thousand year history of uh, using uh, SARS hop uh, in the Czech lands, but also since the uh, 11th century has been already exported. So Since uh, the 11th century it's been exported. Yep. And so were these just original land race hops, naturally growing plants that became a domesticated crop then, uh, you know, by early growers? Yeah, and uh, the early growers, uh, of course, there were monasteries. So the monasteries uh, that were brewing beer were also the, the, the first hop growers. So uh, we can uh, trace it back uh, to this region, but also to other regions in the Czech Republic, but uh, continually, uh, the hop growing focus to, the, to this main region with the best uh, uh, qualities, uh, with, with the best conditions for growing sans hops. So that's a lot of long time and a lot of history of, of a domesticated uh, uh, crop to be grown here. What is it about this region in particular, uh, Jatets, that, uh, that lends itself to hop growing versus other areas here in the Czech Republic? Well, it's uh, the connection between the variety and uh, the soil conditions, uh, the, the, the climate conditions. Uh, uh, the soils here, I mean, uh, they have good, uh, have, uh, they hold the water very well, which is very important because uh, we don't get much rainfall. Actually, it's quite a, a dry region, mild region. Uh, so uh, it's also uh, the mild climate here. So that's also very important uh, for the for the good quality for the good growth of the of the sands hops. When you say mild climate, do you mean it, it doesn't it uh, doesn't get too hot or too cold, or you know, is there an ideal kind of range for for sauce hops? I mean, the, ideally, what we want to avoid are uh, tropical nights, tropical days during summer. So, and if any time we exceed thirty degrees, uh, that's kind of harmful uh, for sauce variety. Mm -hmm. So, uh, usually, we don't get uh, that many days, unless we get a year like uh, two thousand twenty two. <laughs> And we will come back to the the terrible year of 2022, uh, I think later on as we talk. Um, within this region, you know, as as in all hop growing regions, there are there's varying terroir even within an area that grows hops. Um, you know what uh, what kind of uh, you know varied 
terroir, soil, land, and, and growing conditions, whether it's elevation or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, closer or farther from, uh, from bodies of water? You know, what, what is the range of, of terroir in the, the growing region here? Yeah, within the uh, Czech, Czech, within Czech Republic, we have got actually a free hop growing region. So, but uh, if we focus on the south, on the main hop growing region, uh, that uh, we have got also several uh, areas in, inside the region. Uh, one uh, is uh, close to the River Ohře. That's the main river uh, running uh, in, in the region or in north of the region, and uh, the elevation is about 200 meters above uh, sea level. So but that's kind of a warmer part, but at the same time, it's a part uh, with good access to irrigation, good access to water. And uh, you can find also slightly sandy soils, so a bit lighter soils there, but since they got enough uh, underground water plus uh, the possibility of irrigation, uh, the water grows well there. Uh, we have got uh, then higher elevated area, which, called, which we called woodland. and. Uh, that's area from about uh, 350 meters to 500 meters above sea level. And uh, here there's no possibility of irrigation, but usually it's cooler, gets more rainfall, and has got a kind of a, a steady and balanced yields there all the time. And uh, we've got also one more area that's called uh, Golden Creek. That's kind of a typical area. Uh, it's running uh, from the south to north of the, of the region and then this Golden Creek goes to the main river. And uh, again, this is an area with uh, achieving kind of uh, over average uh, alpha content in that area. Um, do specific regions, uh, you know, you mentioned that you know, there are other hop growing regions. You know, do, do those regions all specialize in a certain hop variety or are some of these, because you do grow more than just Saz hops, you know, in the Czech Republic, there are, uh, we've talked to some brewers today who are using other varieties as well. Are some of those varieties local to some of the other regions, or are they grown across these regions? At the moment, uh, the Czech growers uh, can grow up to 25 uh, hop varieties. We 25? 25. If we uh, name the main ones, uh, of course, it's uh, Sats, it's Sladek, uh, Premiant, uh, Kasbek, Agnus, Vital, or Sadslate, but uh, there are many more. Of course, eighty percent of this of the acreage is a science variety, but with the regions, uh, actually, all the varieties are grown in all the regions. So there is no specific variety for some region. Sure, sure. Um, obviously, Saz is the the hop most people associate with this. Uh, you know, associate with you know Czech pale lager, for example. Um, you know, but uh, you know, from that perspective, what. Uh, you know, what are some of the differences in terms of a, a sensory difference with uh, with some of the other hop varieties that are grown here in the Czech Republic? Well, uh, Sans is always, uh, let's say, the dominant and special variety. Uh, we call it uh, always the standard. So uh, Sans aroma, that's the standard hop aroma. So, And that uh, comes uh, to all varieties in the world. I mean, you compare it to Sans, to, to the traditional hop fine aroma variety. And to this, uh, to this uh, delicate aroma, which is very pleasant, very hoppy, mild, uh, slightly herbal aroma. So, uh, and uh, of course, there is always this association and always this uh, close connection between uh, sans hops and pilster. So, I mean, that, that's a kind of a precondition. So, brewing good pilster, uh, that's uh, using the sans variety. Sure, sure. Although, you know, as we were today at Unitica, 
Um, Saz is the core of of that uh, that you know, pale lager for them, but you know they layer in a couple of other Agnes and uh, Zlatic uh, in order to you know add some other character to it. From coming at it from a hop grower perspective, uh, you know, are there ways that you think about the the flavor and aroma of some of these other popular Czech hops compared to to Saz? If uh, I'm explaining yeah, it to an yeah. American brewer, thinking about these Czech hops and, and also, uh, the way that they express, how would how would you describe how they the aromas? Uh, since you already mentioned that uh, that uh, the Czech brewers are using more varieties, uh, that's exactly the right because uh, usually uh, the Czech brewers are using several Czech varieties, uh, adding uh, them at different times during the uh, during mm-hmm. the brewing. So. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Agnus, uh, that's a bitter variety, usually added uh, right at the beginning of, 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 the, of, of the brewing. Uh, uh, then uh, Sladek, uh, that's uh, usually used for the second hopping, and for the last hopping, uh, the brewers would use Saad. So, with uh, a uh, lot of Czech brewers, it would be this combination, of both for sensory reasons and, and partly for economic reasons as well. So, you adding uh, more alpha in the beginning of the process with the uh, sans variety having uh, let's say lower alpha content so and more uh, send, uh more oils so adding that uh, in, in the end uh, for farmers uh, this is also very important that uh, they can have a portfolio of the varieties and that's also from the agronomical point of view so because uh, uh, for sans uh, the picking window is uh, let's say two weeks so if you want to spread the harvest uh, you need uh, more varieties so uh, for optimum uh, for a grower would be, let's say, having uh, uh, sats, then uh, some premium, some agnus, some sladek, and possibly then sats late or agnus or kasbek in, in the end. So, so they can spread the harvest into four weeks. That makes sense. It makes sense. I want to talk a little bit more about this. First, AccuBrew now monitors specific gravity to ensure consistent results and detect problems before they ruin a batch. The AccuBrew system is designed to give you unprecedented insight into the fermentation process, monitor gravity, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature, schedule reminders, and receive alerts anywhere, anytime. AccuBrew's CIP-ready device is designed to stay out of your way. They know your time and space is precious, and they take up as little of both as possible. No more samples, no cleaning, and no calibration. Set it and forget it. To learn more about AccuBrew, head on over to AccuBrew.io. Also, ProBrew has been a dedicated and trusted partner to breweries, especially when they make the leap to canning their product. That's why they only sell rotary can fillers, which significantly reduce product waste and produce higher quality product than an inline can filler. Need proof? Visit ProBrew at Booth 433 as well as their party at Yazoo Brewing at this year's Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville. To RSVP to their event or schedule time with them at the show, visit them at probrew.com slash CBC or email contact us at probrew.com. Probrew, brew your beer. And Indie Hops breeds new hop varieties to help brewers captivate beer lovers. Indie's unique varieties, Strata, Lorian, Luminosa, and Meridian, are trusted by brewers worldwide to modernize, brighten, and diversify their beer lineup. Indie also offers classics that thrive in Oregon terroir, such as Chinook, Crystal, and Sterling. Thoughtfully crafted and selected hops to meet your brewing needs. Visit IndieHops.com slash podcast and stop by their booth 2131 at CBC to discover what's new in hop flavors. Indie Hops, life is short. Let's make it flavorful. 
can can we talk about sensory a little bit and uh, you know that how you all think about the in addition to the alpha and that kind of uh, contribution from those hops, how does say something like slotic vary in aroma from uh, sods? Well, uh, slotic it's a very nice aroma variety, but a bit uh, more fruity characters, with uh, slightly more citrusy characters too, uh, mm-hmm. as well. So. Uh, it can be also used for final hop additions for Czech lagers, but usually used in a combination. So slide for second hopping sounds for the for the last hopping addition. So, but adding adding more, let's say fruity notes to the beer. Most Czech brewers are not looking to create a very distinct and prominent hop character. They're looking for a nuanced hop character with you know layers where it uh, you know accomplish all is all of those in a subtle way are there uh, and so you're right it's not like trying to it's not like citra pushing when we say citrus it's a subtle you know mellow character in there um are there any other distinct uh, varieties that uh, you know that for you carry a very specific noticeable and interesting aromatic character but if we talk about let's say more flavor varieties, that uh, for us the number one Czech and number one European variety uh, for flavor is Kazbek. Uh, that's very well, great variety for that can be used both in the lagers, but also for, for the dry hopping in IPAs or ales, uh, with a very distinct citrusy character, so cascade-like character, mm-hmm. let's, let's say, uh, and that's really unique, but also unique in a yield and stability of the yields and uh, just a beautiful variety when you look at it at the field but also very beautiful variety when you have it in the beer it grows well uh what does uh you know stability and growth mean for you, you know, from an agricultural perspective for that so uh, with the caspic variety let's uh, say it's a uh, average yield about uh, two and a half tons uh, per hectare uh, and with, with stability so uh, for the, with this variety Actually, uh, every year is perfect. So whether it's uh, there is rainfall, or no rainfall, whether it's uh, hot or or cold, uh, this variety does uh, as well in all conditions. So that makes it perfect for the grower. How from uh, looking at it from the Bohemia hops kind of higher view, I, I mean that agronomic performance has to be very important, especially you know given uh, you know what's happening in the environment now. Um, how are how what are you doing to look at uh, you know developing varieties that can withstand the kind of changing environmental uh, conditions uh, which are happening all around the world? Well, uh, we are looking at mainly at the draft resistance, so resistance against uh, draft. And uh, what we are actually doing in the breeding is uh, trying to breed uh, later varieties, so varieties that can uh, overcome the uh, summer heat. And then uh, uh, do do well later on. So that's uh, varieties uh, like uh, Slavic, uh, like Kazbek, and we've got uh, now new line of varieties which are close to SARS, which are called Sunshine, SARS Comfort, that uh, do well also in the let's say tropical conditions. And that is, you know, when you say later variety, the the point of that is that uh, most hops, as they near uh, the time of harvest gain you know that last month of that growth is where they gain alpha acid they gain most of uh of the oils that become a powerful thing in the beer itself and so if you can push that back 
then you have better environmental conditions uh, later on where they can develop in a in a better way. Uh, we didn't take it uh, even earlier from uh, from flowering and uh, corn formation. So uh, the danger for uh, science uh, is that uh, being an early variety, it uh, starts also for flowering, uh, flowering quite early, so mm. uh, late June, beginning of July. And uh, if the tropical temperatures come at that time, uh, they, they can actually, the, the flowers can dry, dry down and uh, then you've got uh, less yield, uh, less cones. So uh, the later varieties actually start the, the flower formation uh, much later and then confirmation also, uh, let's say late August. And uh, this overcomes the, the, the main heat and then they have got time to develop also the, the oils and uh, the alpha as well. Is there a, a back end to your season where they have to, uh, you know, they, they, uh, where the weather conditions will then uh, turn bad where you need to harvest before, uh, before that weather starts changing at the end of the season? Well, uh, I will start that, that usually we start picking at uh, August 20th. So uh, that's a uh, bit sounds and uh, we finish uh, sounds, let's say, first week of uh, September mm-hmm. and then go with the other varieties. Usually the harvest uh, finishes, let's say, second half of September uh, in 2021 when we had the record yield uh, year then uh, uh, some farms were actually harvesting until the beginning of October and it still was fine. So it's still the conditions uh, can be good for harvest uh, uh, even early October. Uh, but usually that's not the case because usually we finish picking so by September 20th. Sure, sure. Well, 2022 was a particularly bad year, uh, you know, not just here in the Czech Republic, but in, in many places they grow hops. And, uh, you know, of course, I think with uh, climate change, we're starting to see more of these years here and there throughout the, the agronomic world. Um, you know, some reports had the, the Czech harvest off by 40 or 50 percent, uh, you know, from talk to me about dealing with the agricultural challenge of uh, the changing weather weather patterns here and what that has meant for Czech hops uh, over the past harvest. With the sounds, I mean, the, the, the yields are variable. So but we have got up and up and downs uh, every year. So, But uh, in the, uh, let's say, long term, if you look at the uh, long term curve and trend, then actually uh, the sounds yields are increasing. So uh, so we moved uh, from uh, the average one one ton per hectare as we were used to 20 or 30 years ago mm-hmm. to 1.2, 1.3 tons uh, in the last 10 years. So actually on average, actually the average yield is moving moving up and we are actually uh, achieving better results. What is What drives that increase? It's, uh, uh, I would say, uh, good care of, of, the, of the growers uh, mm-hmm. for, for the hops. It's... Uh, uh, quicker replanting, so using uh, younger plants and um, replanting quicker than we used to do do sure. that. So, and uh, what's the average? How often are are those replanted here? Well, uh, usually we say that so let's say uh, we usually plant five percent every year, so it's about uh, every uh, twenty years replanted. Uh, but it's uh, now more more common to do it, let's say after fifteen years. So, let's say the, the good performance of the hops is between the uh, second and 15th year. Of course, if the location is good, you can go it up to 40 years. But uh, uh, now the farmers are starting to do the turns quicker than they used to. 
we were talking, we've, there's a podcast coming up on our, on our, uh, or actually, I guess they would, people would have heard it by now with Jevnav when they have hops from a farm that's 70 year old vines. And, um, but you know, there's a natural decrease in effectiveness, you know, for these plants as they get that old. And so naturally you, you want to replant in order to maintain that kind of efficiency. Are there any other, uh, are there any other effects that have helped increase that? Cause that, you know, 20 to 30% increase. Uh, over 20 years is uh, it's a nice efficiency to find from that and uh, i think that what's also drives uh, better yields is also irrigation so uh, there is uh, uh, more acreage irrigated than it was uh, 20 30 years ago uh, the limit is the access to water so uh, there are farms which are close to the big river with no problem of access to the water uh, but the farms in the hills uh, with limited access, that's uh, that's a bit bigger problem. So, but still, we we see uh, irrigation and replanting as the key factors uh, uh, for the for the yield increase. Well, we're gonna keep talking about this in a second, but first, are you ready to start canning your craft beverages? Twin Monkeys Beverage Systems is here to help. This troop of engineers, service techs, and microbrew fanatics offers customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Their canning lines are affordable, made in the USA, and engineered to grow alongside the needs of your business. Visit twinmonkeys.net today and learn just how easy it is to get your craft into cans. Also, bread is wild, it's unpredictable, gives funky notes to beer, evolves in time. Historically, it's used with no control, but Fermentus has harnessed it. Discover Softbrew BR8, the first dry Brett by Fermentus, now available in 100 grams and 5 grams. Are you coming to CBC in Nashville Monday, May 8th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. During CBC hours, Fermentus has teamed up with the Brussels Beer Challenge to congratulate all American winners of last year's BBC. After the ceremony, they'll transition to a casual Soft Brew BR8 Barnyard Bash. Try some beers brewed with Soft Brew BR8 and mingle with their experts to ask them all of your questions. See you there. And ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They're proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. Contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. Going to the Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville, stop by their booth to connect with their brewery consultants and enter for a chance to win a Keg Viking Keg Washer. ABS Commercial, we are brewers. Let's pick up where we left off talking about, uh, you know, the way that uh, the the farms operate. Uh, we're here in March, uh, the late March. Things are getting started here. The, the season is getting started and uh, the rhythm of the growing year is just kicking into gear. Um, you know, what is what do those operations look like on a, on a seasonal basis? So the operations really start uh, now. So we are in the, uh, let's say, uh, the last week of March and the uh, the farmer starts with the pruning. That's the, the first operation so when we uh, need to cut uh, uh, the, the plants. And those first growths come out, but those aren't the those are not the vines that you want to grow. So you trim those off and until uh, the good ones pop through. Um, it's about the uh, regulation of the growth, regulation of the vegetation period. It's also about uh, the rootstock that you want don't want the rootstocks to be in the whole row, so you want to keep it in one place. And uh, the main thing is also uh, you look at uh, the age of the plant and uh, with the younger plant, you cut them deeper. With the older plant, you cut them uh, later and also just a shallow a shallow pruning. So uh, that's quite a complicated thing. Uh, so about the decisions, about the timing, about the the depth of the pruning. And uh, 
now you start with the late varieties like uh, with Slari we start now uh, that's with, with the with the let's say uh, old Slavic varieties that then uh, we go for with the old sards and towards the end of April we finish with the uh, young plants of uh, sards and young plants of Slavic so the operation takes about a month and in between that you already start the next operations which are wiring so hanging the hanging the wire so we use wire here that's different from the US that's right we use uh, coir or coconut uh, you know typically for for hop stringing in the United States exactly so uh, here the, the typical thing is uh, using a, a metal wire one millimeter why why well uh, there are uh, several reasons for that so for us it breaks best economically also uh, it uh, the growers are used to work with that and it's also about uh, how the way how you harvest the hops uh, because uh, in the US I mean typically you cut the hops uh, at the top mm-hmm. and then it falls to the wagon but here it's pulled down so uh, here the tractor is uh, pulling a wagon and, uh, and they are pulling down the binds on the wagon so it's not by cut. hand and not not no. or machine harvest? no it's a, no it's done by machinery oh, okay but it's pulled down by machinery. So uh, the wire or there's a string, uh, it must break. Yeah. So that's- uh, You needed to break in a very specific place at the top, not breaking in the middle. Exactly. And then leaving half of the plant on the, yeah. E- exactly. So that's uh, that's why you use uh, the metal wire for that. And you need about 6,000 uh, sticks of wire per hectare. And uh, then the operations are followed by training. That's the most vital part. That's uh, the, the first half of May, and uh, you put actually two binds per, per wire. Uh, you need to put it clockwise, that's very important. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, that's the vital operation, because uh, how you do training, then uh, that's the, the way the plants grow. And there is a lot of, after that, there's a lot of care uh, about the plants, because uh, we do have uh, pests and diseases, uh, similar to other countries. Sure. So there's a lot of plant protection, that's what is all. that? What does plant protection uh, look like here? Well, it's uh, very much uh, directed uh, always when it's needed. So uh, we go with uh, something that's called integ- integrated plant management and uh, plant control. So uh, we use uh, only uh, protection when it's when it's needed, when it's necessary. So uh, if uh, like if with the spring, I mean, you've got the alpha snout beetle or flea beetle. So if we find a certain number of uh, flea beetle there. Then we start uh, uh, with, with the plant protection. Uh, the same then goes with the uh, downy mildew. We've got uh, some some models developed for downy mildew index. So when there is a b- big pressure, that, that's concerned with the rainfall, humidity, temperature. So when the pressure is there, then we start protecting against uh, downy mildew. And uh, again, similar it goes for spider mites or aphids. Uh, we follow the, the, the flights of uh, Hop aphids, or again the number of uh, spider mites per leaf, and uh, when it's necessary to protect, we start with the protection. The default, of course, understanding that hops are a food product, and you want to use as little intervention as little as you can in order to you know create the the best possible thing, and only adjusting. Then you use natural you know products to you know to to combat these things. Um, you know, while making sure that you're still going to produce something that is suitable for human consumption and, and safe for everybody to, to put into beer. And also uh, the, the number of the plant protection products uh, for hops is very limited. 
there is very defined usage. So sure. how, how much volume you, you can use, uh, when you can use it, uh, also uh, how many times uh, in the season you can use that, that this product. So it's regulated. Uh, here. It's uh, regulated uh, very much, and uh, we have to also follow all the limits uh, for the whole world. So we export to seventy countries in the world. So we have to follow. Uh, the limits uh, that are in the U.S. are Japan, China, uh, Korea. Sure. So uh, that's uh, that, that that makes it uh, very strict. And uh, then what would we do? We make uh, analysis after the season, so after how harvest is finished. So, but at the same time, we follow it throughout the season. So uh, every uh, spray that's uh, monitored, every spray is recorded. So and the farmers uh, are doing a great job there. Sure, sure. Um, let's keep walking through the the hop season for you. Uh, you know, so you go through the, the that summer, the tropical times, as you say, uh, through that warm period. Uh, you know, how does uh, how does that hot warm weather in the summertime affect uh, the growing process? Well, uh, the biggest actually concern is our tropical temperatures. So the tropical temperatures above thirty degrees, and also tropical nights. So because uh, when the plant doesn't have any rest, then uh, that's that, that's a, that's a trouble. So the, the plants always need need some rest. So uh, it is an interesting thing about hops that they are actually they grow in response to nighttime, not necessarily daytime. And it's the length of the nights that and the changing of that nighttime that that seems to you know bring on the next phase of each of their growths. And actually, but that's also very important uh, during the growth, like. Uh, you can see it in uh, even May and June. So when the uh, night temperatures are already warmer, uh, then suddenly the plant can do uh, 20 cent- 30 centimeters uh, between the day and night. So, uh, and the very important thing is the, the night temperatures in, in this regard. So on the contrary, then if the, the night temperatures are then too high, so that's uh, over 20 degrees uh, during the night uh, in, in summer, then the plant doesn't rest. The plant keeps growing, uh, keeps doing something. And uh, that was actually what happened also in 2022, that we got uh, some tropical temperatures already in June, which was uh, exceptional. And then a hot spell also in July with both uh, tropical nights and tropical days. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's keep walking through the the season of of operation for you. Where does it progress to next? Well, uh, what's important, and then in uh, in May after you do the training, it's uh, something that we call healing up. So you put uh, more soil uh, to the to the plant, so we can develop uh, more roots. Uh, it develops kind of uh, the shallow roots to the very small roots, uh, and these are very important for the nutrition of the of the plant. So you did do this operation twice uh, in May and June, and then uh, you go on with uh, the cultivation. And uh, for us, it's also usually it's like you do second time training or third time training, because uh, with the science hops, uh, the thing is that it makes big rounds, so around around the wire. So sometimes when it's when it's windy, uh, then uh, the top of the plant uh, falls fall off of the, the wire, so you need to put it back. So this is something that uh, the grower does uh, several times uh, until the end of June or July, just repairing the training. So uh, deep the summer, so uh, July and first uh, half of August is uh, mainly about regular plant protection. So uh, usually that's already the time when the downy mildew pressure is high. So you need to uh, care of the downy mildew. So every two weeks uh, in between, uh, uh, take care of the spider mites, hop aphids, and do some cultivation in, in between. It's also the time when you use the irrigation molds because that's the, the, the time when uh, 
the flowers uh, develop to cone, so that's uh, when the, the, the plant needs the water most. Mm. And then it's uh, just already preparing for the harvest, uh, because uh, the harvest starts uh, for sans growers around the August 20th, and you need, to you need to prepare the machinery for that. So you need to make sure, sure that uh, you do that several weeks in advance. So then in 2022, as you mentioned, the your warm nights caused the plants to grow too quickly early. Is that what you were saying? There was uh, two things. So uh, there was a period between the end of May and half of June. So when the plants were growing very quickly and then they stopped the growth because uh, once the uh, plant starts flowering, it stops the growth of the length of, mm. the, of the plant. So, and that's what happened uh, to most of the fields uh, in 2022. So there was a uh, weekend of 17, 18 of June when uh, the temperatures were over 40 degrees. Uh, here and uh, the plant simply just uh, didn't make it. Uh, they started actually uh, thinking that it's much later, started uh, producing the flowers, and that's where the, 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 the graph, where this plant stopped growing. And so they obviously weren't as tall, but then uh, you know, does that uh, you know affect the the way they flower in any other way? Well, if the flowering was early, but the main, main uh, problem was that. Uh, the, the plants stopped about one meter to one meter, one and a half meter below the top of the trellis. So, and that's usually when you get about uh, one third of the yield. You get it at the at top, the very uh, top. At, at, the, at the very top. So, and that was what was, was missing. So actually, uh, the the number of flowers at the rest of the plant was also maybe a bit, bit smaller, but uh, what was missing was the length of the of the plant. The really top intense, heavy cone, heavy flower, uh, you know, part of the plant. Um, sure. Were there what else uh, you know led to some of the challenges in 2022? Well, uh, one thing connected with that was also the lack of rainfall. I mean, it was the one of the driest year that we uh, we had. And uh, usually, sometimes we say that uh, we've got this Saint Lawrence Day in the Czech Republic, which is the 10th of August, which is the patron of uh, hop growers, and it brings the yields. And we usually say when the, the rainfall also comes uh, this. Uh, first stage of August, that it can save the year. Because uh, uh, when you get the in enough rainfall and you get the flowers, the little cones, the cones get, get bigger, and sometimes it saves the yield. But uh, 2022, actually, the first three weeks of August were completely dry. No mm -hmm. drop of water, so it was uh, just nothing to save the hops. That's that's rough. How about what percentage of, of hop fields here in the Czech Republic are irrigated or have the option of irrigating? Well, uh, it's about one quarter of the hop fields have got the possibility of irrigation. But uh, I would say that uh, even in the tropical year, like uh, like last year, the irrigation just didn't overcome the, the temperatures. So uh, in the normal year or in a slightly uh, warmer year, that's a great help. But in a year like 2022 for the yield, that wasn't there's nothing there that was can, not nothing we could, we, could, we could do sure sure um you know as we talked about a little bit earlier you all are also trying to you know develop varieties that can grow better in some of these uh more extreme uh you know kind of weather conditions uh you're also looking at growing and breeding um varieties that uh, will yield better for the you know and create a more agronomically sustainable um uh, you know, equation for growers, uh, you know, which you know, meet, keeps prices where they need to be for brewers and helps the entire world of brewing. Uh, at the same time, 
brewers, especially those making traditional beer styles in the in the Czech vein, whether they're here in the Czech Republic or anywhere else in the world, tend to be conservative. You know, they tend to want to use the most traditional thing, which tends to also be the old thing, which also tends to be one of the least efficient things, uh, you know, and so finding a way to, you know, bring the agriculture into the modern world and bring those beers, you know, it becomes this big challenge. Maybe, maybe we talk for a little bit about how, you know, some of these other varieties, whether that's, you know, these other, uh, you know, uh, saws, uh, you know, the, the other saws hops themselves, some of the ways that you are kind of, of, of trying to capture the same character, but in hops that will, grow better and more consistently here. Well, I shouldn't say grow better because they all grow very well, um, but maybe grow with a higher yield in a, a way that might be better for, you know, for the farms and pricing and everything else in the future. I mean, we have to say that uh, nothing can beat uh, science in deep, let's say uh, the number one variety for perfect Pilsner. Uh, but we've got other Czech varieties that can complement it very well. You can uh, kind of use it uh, in, the, in the kettle together with, with the science. So, uh, and, uh, also last year, actually, we had very good results with uh, the allergic varieties, let's say number two, three, four, uh, which, which are the varieties uh, Sladek, uh, Permiant, uh, Agnus. So they did uh, very well, actually. So uh, also slightly lower years, but uh, with these varieties, we were actually uh, able to supply the contracts and also the alpha content uh, was uh, on long term average. So we did have also varieties that even uh, in this, this uh, very demanding year uh, did well. So the, the same Casback uh, did it uh, much better than even other years. But uh, the breeding actually uh, is focused on having varieties which would be very close to science and we would uh, be here for the future uh, that, uh, let's say, uh, wouldn't be the replacement for science but would be very close in, in the usage. And this would be uh, this new line of uh, science shine or science comfort. And uh, Already last year, uh, like uh, Sides Shine variety uh, did very well in all the trials in this very uh, dry year. It performed very well with stable yield and good, good alpha levels. So this is something that uh, uh, the growers uh, should be thinking for the future. We still recommend the science as number one, but uh, as uh, having an allergic variety, a good aroma variety for lagers and pilsners, uh, then Sides Shine will be here. That's a very political answer, and I appreciate that. Saz Shine, as, as we look through this catalog of Czech hop varieties, seems to have a, a flavor and aroma graph that's very similar to, to Saz itself, and uh, you know, is very much in that vein. Uh, even though it's uh, a newer hop uh, that looks like it was registered and uh, only about four, three or four years ago, um, you know, are, are there varieties that you are seeing? rapidly growing interest in um, what hop varieties grown here in the Czech Republic are growing the fastest. The fastest growing variety in the last 15 years, and we see an increase every year, it's Sladek variety. Mm. That's uh, the Arma variety that's growing the most. And uh, now the production is almost 1000 tons of this variety and the demand keeps growing. So we see this variety as uh, also a favorite, favorite variety by the growers because uh, it's uh, over two tons uh, per hectare yield, uh, stable yields, uh, stable alpha content. So, and uh, farmers uh, kind of uh, love growing that. Oops. 
Sure. Uh, next week, you've got a group of brewers coming in for uh, workshops here at Bohemia Hops to, to uh, learn how, more about those hops and also potentially learn how to you know, better understand and use them. Um, you know, for brewers, obviously listening to this podcast, you can't be there for that. Uh, um, what are, you know, some of the big takeaways that, uh, you know, if in, in, you know, are there some broader things that brewers should know about using Czech hops and what, uh, what would help them brew better beer using hops from the Czech Republic? Yeah, this is already 25 years that we have been doing this even for Czech brewers. And so there will be more than hundred Czech brewers uh, coming next week. And I think that uh, the main thing that uh, for Czech brewers as well, but also for international brewers, is that uh, uh, the Czech hops uh, shouldn't be associated just with pilsners or lagers. Of course, Saats, uh, that's uh, the, the number one hops for pilsners. But we've got a number of other varieties that can be used very well for other styles. Like uh, one of the topics for the next week, it's called IPA. And uh, we've got actually many brews uh, uh, used uh, with Czech hop varieties uh, for, for, for the cold IPA. And I think for this style, the Czech hop varieties work very well. Czech varieties and IPA. You're not the first person. We've actually had a great conversation uh, about that with uh, uh, Lucas at uh, Dvak Hoti, who is uh, even in his uh, uh, pale ale, you know, is using saws as a base and then dry hopping with uh, citra and mosaic. Uh, after that. So, uh, you know, certainly it can be done. And it is a strange thing how popular American pale ale is here in the in the Czech Republic. It uh, I did not expect coming here to see as many iterations on as many beer menus, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But in the, and if you talk about IPAs, uh, also the Czech brewers are using a number of uh, international varieties, uh, of course, many U.S. varieties. But now I was talking more about, let's say, the new style, the cold IPA. Cold which, IPA. So uh, uh, it's kind of a kind of mixed style uh, between the, the, the lager brewing and uh, the, the the ale brewing. And I think that for this style, actually, uh, the Czech hops is uh, perfect. Are there some specific Czech hops that uh, you see brewers using more often in some of these cold IPAs or that they should be using in cold IPA? So what we see for, for, for these styles of beer, that's the, the Kasbek variety. That's a, a very, very great, good variety for making the brands, but the impact on, on, on the beer. But you can, I think, it could work with all the varieties. Yeah? So I had actually a discussion with uh, Charlie Papazian, and he was saying that uh, you can use sounds for everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably not wrong. No, no. <laughs> Um, what is uh, what does the future hold for Bohemia Hops for uh, the world of Czech hop growing and uh, what are some of your biggest hopes and what are your some of your biggest concerns over the next five and ten years? Well, actually, the deep uh, current the biggest concern that, that we have and that's for already for this year and for the upcoming season are uh, is the cost situation. So uh, because uh, in the, within the last year the uh, Energy cost, the fertilizer cost, uh, the, the 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 cost of the wages, cost of uh, material, including wire, everything went up uh, in many cases several times. So that was the biggest concern of, of the growers. So how to manage the situation? So so we hope that uh, this kind of calms down and uh, that the, the cost uh, will come to let's say normal level. But it was it was, it was the biggest concern because uh, at the same time what we've seen uh, in the past. Uh, 10 years that the growers were investing heavily, uh, adding new machinery. So 
the growers are willing to continue. They want uh, they want to do it a quality job, great job with with the hops, so to uh, to supply always uh, the best conditions. Uh, but uh, what we see uh, here today for the la- for last uh, year and also for the upcoming season is uh, this cost situation that uh, kind of driving the growers a bit mad. That's an it is an interesting one to see because especially here in the Czech Republic, um, there's a consumer price pressure on pale lager in particular, where past a certain price, they're going to go find it cheaper somewhere else. And, uh, you know, and so while they might spend more on other styles of beer, they have a price expectation on that pale lager that it needs to be at a certain place. And so the ability, you know, for brewers to charge more, which they could then pay more, uh, you know, to growers, like it's hard for you to raise your prices because you're going to get pushback from those brewers that need to hit a consumer price point. It seems like everyone has to, to you know, figure out how to to make this work uh, so that the hop growers can can make what they make. Versus America, where you know, if you want to use Citra, you're going to pay, you know, a significant amount per pound, of, you know, more than some of you know of these older varieties. And uh, you know, but consumers, because that was they are willing to spend more on those beers. The brewers can make the margin they need to make and sell it at a price that consumers are willing to pay, and the hop growers can benefit from that. Uh, figuring out that equation becomes a hard one, in particular here where you use so much of these. Well, in my opinion, actually, uh, the situation is changing. So, actually, uh, what what you said about the deep uh, price sensitiveness uh, in the past years—I mean, that was the truth in the past—and uh, but what we saw in, in the last year, we actually saw quite a significant rise in beer prices, especially in the in the pubs and restaurants, mm-hmm. not necessarily in the uh, in the supermarkets. Uh, but actually, what we saw was that people stayed in in the pubs and restaurants. So maybe they cut their expenditure on food. That's, prob- that's probably a problem for some of the outlets that uh, that the people no longer come for for. That the food they're buying the beer. They're not the, buying but, food. But, with but, it. but they are staying for the beer. So, but, <laughs> and you can see it also on the data on the, on the numbers that actually uh, within the uh, last year, actually uh, the Czech beer production is actually up again by several percent. So, and that uh, the people return to to, to pop. So after the COVID, after restriction, so we we see there uh, again a slight return of uh, people to pop. So. Despite the fact that actually uh, the pri- there was a, in, a big price hike, so uh, I would no longer say that uh, uh, like paying uh, in a small village like uh, 50 crowns per beer, uh, which wouldn't be imaginable two years ago, but it's standard now. So uh, people are paying 20 percent, 30 percent more, and they are still going. So because they they're not happy about it, but they're, they're still going. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that, that because uh, beer and pubs that belongs to the Czech culture, because that's something that uh, people can imagine their life about. So uh, they want to discuss something. They they go to pub, uh, and they cannot not do without it. So you're even right. Though, it is a that is the culture. You don't just buy beer. I mean, you, some do buy beer to drink at home, but most of that beer is consumed on-premise as we would call it in the United States like at a at a drinking establishment with neighbors and friends and uh, it happens many times a week for for a lot of folks here and uh, I would say also that uh, something that uh, was quite surprised that uh, a few years ago that uh, like the Czechs they do like the variety so it's not no longer just about uh, having their lagers or pilsners they like to try also uh, 
other styles, other beers. Of course, they returned back to lager after having uh, one or two IPAs. But uh, again, uh, this is something to uh, attract to the, to the customers uh, to, to, to the pubs. I mean, that's uh, how the uh, craft brewers work, actually. So they've got big portfolio uh, to get the people in. But once they are in, I mean, then uh, they keep drinking. Sure, sure. What uh, what excites you most about the the near term and, and longer term future? Well, actually, uh, that's the thing about uh, both about the new styles and uh, how we can actually uh, have already now Czech varieties that are suitable for all the styles. And at the same time, I like actually the tradition, the conservativeness. So that uh, uh, what seems uh, to be the truth that uh, the, the pilsners, the lagers, uh, they are here to, to stay because uh, that's something that uh, it's about the drinkability that's uh, connected with the uh, sounds hops uh, pilsners or check lagers uh, that equals drinkability so you go there because uh, you want to drink another beer it's, 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 a, it's a nice drink you want to clinch uh, the first uh, and uh, we want to in, enjoy it so and that, that's something that uh, I think that will last and that's also that uh, why people want to stay in, in the hop business it's also why we're here having conversations with uh, Czech hop growers, Czech brewers, um, because there is a growing interest in this, uh, you know, all around the world, and particularly in the United States, as uh, as brewers in the United States uh, get a greater sense and a greater connection with the, these Czech brewing traditions and the beautiful beers that it makes. And I think that's a great place to bring this to a close. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. Hopsteiner's varieties like Bravo, Calypso, Lemon Drop, Lotus, and Sultana are available through BSG. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. Join the AccuBrew community and experience 24-7 peace of mind. ProBrew's rotary can fillers reduce waste and produce higher quality packaged beer. Indie Hops breeds new hop varieties to help brewers captivate beer lovers. Twin Monkeys offers customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Discover Soft Brew BR8, the first dry brett by Fermentus. And ABS Commercial is your full service brewery outfitter. Of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, go to beerandbrewing.com, click on that subscribe button, show us that you care and that this content matters to you. Um, Zdenek, if people want to learn more about Bohemia hops and about uh, you know Czech hops in general, uh, are there resources available out there in the digital world uh, that they can uh, they can learn more from? Or Where do they find more out about Bohemia hops? I mean, the best thing is uh, to meet us, uh, for example, at the Craft Brewers Conference in uh, in Nashville. So, uh, or uh, other uh, places, we got also uh, the Bourbon Lightchicks Two event uh, that we will do in, in Nashville. But uh, on, on the media, uh, there's a web page, bohemiahop.cz. We are also quite active on uh, Instagram, on uh, as bohemiahop, on, on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn. So you can find also many video, video videos uh, about the Czech production on, on YouTube uh, with, on bohemiahop. So, uh, and I would like to say that uh, um, in Czech, cheers, it's Nazravi. So. Uh, enjoy the Czech beer uh, or the beer brewed with uh, Sazop. Nazdravi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Cheers. Thank you very much for being here. This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. 